Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 18, Sasha discusses the way that women are taught to succeed, and she reads excerpts from her new book, Between Grit and Grace. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. I cannot wait to get into today's episode because, as many of you know, I have spent the last couple years working on a book, and this is a book of love to all of my listeners, all of the women that I've met at different conferences and in the courses I teach and in medicine, um, at different places across the world when I have stopped and connected with one of you and you've shared your stories with me and you've shared your struggles or you've shared how isolated you are or you share the bias that you've faced. This book is my response to each of you. And I love this book because it is packed full of wisdom. It is packed full of stories of strong women who aren't celebrities or movie stars. They're women that none of you probably have heard of. They're real life women who have faced adversity and have overcome it in ways that you will all hopefully relate to. And it is my honor to be doing this podcast today because I am going to be doing a little excerpt of the book and in starting in chapter one. So if you've never heard of this show, if you're just turning in. My name is Dr. Sasha Shilkut and I'm a busy doctor and mom and entrepreneur and leader of women. And I love it. I love what I do, but I also know how hard it's been for me at times in my life. And I think that women really need to step into their power when we start to encourage one another and when we form a tribe. So I hope that you will reach out to me and share what you think of my book. And if you have not purchased it, you can go to Amazon and buy it there. Go to my website. All the information is there. I'm also doing a book club. The book is called Between Grit and Grace, The Art of Being Feminine and Formidable. And I just hope that you join us. So thank you for tuning in today. If you are someone who has read the book or you've read a couple pages of the book, I would love to hear your feedback. Send in your questions because I'm going to be answering them. And then when I'm also going to do at the end of the show, which is really fun, is I'm going to talk about the product of the week. Um, Something that I just found recently that I'm slightly obsessed with. Okay. So in the first chapter of the book, I called the first chapter kind, obedient, and compliant. And I think it's because this is the way for myself growing up that I always wanted to be seen. You know, my mother would always tell me to be kind and that's something that has stuck with me. I haven't always been kind, but I know that I am truly happy when I am kind. I've never regretted being kind. But I think my problem was that I linked that word with success and I linked that word with being obedient. And those two things are very different. Um, Being kind is, you know, assuming positive intent. It's the way you interact with other people. And it's actually respect. It's respect for yourself. It's respect for others. Being obedient is very different. Okay. 
I think that we are called as children to obviously be obedient to our parents. I think that there is, um, you know, a, a line that we should be obedient to our elders. I really believe that. Um, I think that we often disrespect people that are elderly and that are older than us and have more responsibility and more experience in life. But I think that we can oftentimes think that as women, we must be obedient to succeed. And oftentimes we're asked to be obedient in ways that go against either our ethics or our moral code or our internal authentic self. So we're oftentimes pushed back into this place of what others label as obedient and we get really conflicted messages, meaning maybe we really feel passionate about a certain project in our job. Maybe we feel like this is something that we actually are passionate about. We have expertise in, we have, a, we have an authoritative voice behind, and we know that if we were able to lead this project or we were able to work in this capacity, we would have a good outcome for the people that we work with. But to do that would require us to be assertive, would be require us at times to be aggressive and maybe have some qualities that are seen as more masculine. And maybe those qualities are something that we've experienced in the workplace where we get pushback. So it's easier for us to just back up and go to this obedient space, quote unquote, where people are asked us to be compliant and a good team player. And it doesn't feel right though, because we know that we actually need to be authoritative and aggressive to lead in this space. So what happens is we have this internal conflict, right? Because then what we do is we become compliant to the societal norms in our workplaces that say, well, women are really just supposed to be this in the workplace. You're supposed to be like a collaborator and a team builder. Well, I can tell you that I love to collaborate. I love to team build, but there's also times that as my strengths personally, as a, as a woman are in leadership and in taking charge of situations, I'm a visionary and those are my skills. And so when I am not leading in that way and acting in that way, it is really stressful for me at times. There are times where I love to sit back and be part of the team and let other people lead. But there are times definitely where I know that I should have stepped up or, and I feel conflict if for some reason I get backlash for doing that. And so obedience is a very specialized and it's very unique. Only you know what you are really being obedient to. Are you being obedient to your own self and your own authenticity and your own strengths that God has given you? Or are you being compliant to those that everyone else expects? And the reason I delve into this in chapter one is because it really goes back to how we were raised as children. And I talk about this in the book. So I want to just read a little excerpt right now. This is chapter one, page 11. My success throughout high school, college, medical school, and postgraduate training came by following a certain set of rules. However, once it was time for me to offer ideas and exert influence in my work environment, those rules no longer applied. Our obedience and compliance in our youth are rewarded. Staying in our lane early in our life allows us to be given responsibility and tasks. This path to success is reinforced as we earn stars, hear positive feedback, and are given more responsibility. So why doesn't this work for us even when we're adults? What changes? Shouldn't we be able to follow directions, stay obedient, and make our way to the top? If this is the footpath to getting what we want and where we want to go, why does obedience suddenly no longer work? Why are women overlooked for promotions, not chosen for roles despite demonstrating value, and not seen as viable options for front runners in new ventures, roles, and executive positions? As we transition from obedient schoolgirls to career women, something changes. 
First, promotion, salary, and opportunities are subjectively given. No class syllabus, objective examinations, or rule books are available to follow to get to the top. Instead, we encounter negotiation, golf outings, and gender bias. So what happens is we find ourselves in this place, and maybe you're listening and you're like, oh my goodness, I've been there, where you feel this backlash. You're like, wait, this is actually, I, I, I was actually deserving of that promotion, or I wasn't even considered for that when I've done all of these things. And it's actually because how you are perceived. It's not based on your objective strengths, which is, or achievements, which is really hard because the problem with that is oftentimes the more assertive or aggressive we are in the workplace, then we get this massive leadership backlash. And this has been talked about in the psychology literature for about 20 years. And I include this in chapter one because I want to normalize these behaviors and ex- or experiences for women reading the book so they go, aha, it's not me. I haven't failed. This is a societal issue, a culture system issue that I've been pushed up against. And my feeling inside when I feel like there's this internal conflict with who I am and my work fit is not in my mind, is out of my control or maybe perceived as such. And that's when I go on in the book to talk about the backlash conundrum and I introduced something really special called the manual and I I call it the man, M-A-N slash (laughs) U-A-L. But don't worry, because we're going to get into the manual. And I hope that you read on in the book and really understand this. And because I want you to feel and understand and have the thought process that, oh my gosh, this isn't me. I'm not alone. What I also do in the book is I offer something called an internal check. And I list these in little gray boxes all throughout the book because I really want the book to be a a workbook, so to speak. I want it to be a guide of self-discovery and internalization that allows you to evaluate perhaps times at your life where you have encountered backlash for who you were in the workplace or for times in your life where you felt less than or you had to be less than in order to succeed. Because I really, really want this book to evoke change in women and to draw women together. So also in chapter one, I talk about this concept of coming out of the dugout, coming out of the dugout for yourself, coming out of the dugout for other people. And I talk about a time in my life when I really had to come out of the dugout and stand up for myself and the anxiety that was, that was just surrounding this event. And if I still think about it and I go back to that year as a junior physician, I remember having to stand up for myself and the hives that began developing on my (laughs) neck and how I mean, it was just so stressful. And now I look back and I think, man, I would not have that same reaction, but that's only because of what I have learned to be really this backlash that I experience in and explain in chapter one. So I want to talk a little bit and read to you a little bit about coming out of the dugout and the importance of coming out of the dugout to support other women. So the cost of social and leadership backlash that you may face when you assert your skills and speak your voice in the workplace is real, but so is your freedom and the internal peace you deserve. Your leadership is an example to other women who come after you. It is an inspiration to those who stand next to you and wonder how they too can combine their skills with their own concoction of grit and moxie. When you crush societal expectations by acting instead of reacting to biases, you champion change. 
You do this by being brave enough to be gritty and graceful and authentic, risky, resilient, and real. Maybe you have identified with what I've described, and maybe you have experienced social and leadership backlash. Maybe you're wondering how to find the courage to lead authentically or why you should even lead in the first place. Maybe you're feeling beat up, beat down, and exhausted from walking the tightrope. You are not alone. You are normal. And the good news is there are women just like you who have overcome similar obstacles placed in their way and survived the backlash. There's truth in the stories of women who have risen above. And when we hear their stories and we incorporate their lessons into our own experience, we all become more powerful. So this is the thing that I really want to drive home about chapter one is number one, the way that you're often made to feel into pushed back into being quote unquote obedient is very normal. It's a very common mechanism that society uses or people use in authority in the workplace to push us back and hold us down and to push the blame on us because quite frankly, it's really uncomfortable for others to have assertive women in the workplace. It just is. There's just some people and that, and it's nothing against the person, but honestly, there's just some people and even, and I'm talking about men and women that just feel like this pit in their stomach, like, ugh. I'm not comfortable with this when women are assertive and lead or when women are authentic and become leaders in the workplace. So this is an uncomfortable feeling. And what do we do? We just kind of push the person back. And so the key to this is really when you start, and here we go, when you start embracing and validating the authenticity of others, what you are doing is you're allowing yourself to be authentic. So when you see a woman working in the workplace or acting in the workplace against societal norms, maybe she is someone you like, maybe she's someone you don't like, but you see her leading and you affirm her, even if it's completely different how you would lead, you open up the space for her to be more successful and you open up the space for you yourself to be more successful. And here's the thing. The opposite is also true. So when I see women like leading in the workplace and maybe there's somebody that I get that I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally how I would do it. Or maybe there's somebody that I don't really understand, but I know that they're leading with integrity, even if the way that they're leading is different than me. When I accept her, I open up the door for others to accept me and my style of leadership. So I think it's so important that we understand that the key to this is not just about being strong ourselves, but being really a support system and a strength and an undercurrent of just support for other women who are leading. I mean, how many times have you been in the workplace and you've heard somebody, and I talk about this in the book, it's called the queen bee syndrome. You talk about, you know, I've heard other women say like, well, that woman, you know, she's at the top, but she doesn't help other women. She's totally unapproachable. Or I've tried to have coffee with her and she's very closed off, you know, and I'm, it's really disappointing because she's been doing this for 30 years and, and she just kind of walls herself off. And I've heard this over and over, and I've actually talked about women in this way in the past. And now that I've understood and read and educated myself on the biases that women face in the workplace, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) The women at the top that are seen as queen bees are not part of the problem. They're 
they are a result of our problem, which is we don't, we are often so critical of other women that they have learned that they have to put up walls to get ahead. They have to act in certain ways. They can't act perhaps like let their, you know, walls down a bit and show their feminine side in order for them to stay at that position. They have to be pretty isolated and, you know, they have to have walls of steel around them, which is sad. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's not how I want to lead. So when we actually accept those women and we hand out a hand of grace and we invite them into our space and we give them positive intention and the benefit of the doubt and we support them, you don't even understand how many women I have met that run companies that are at high levels of leadership that are so lonely. And when I've reached out to them or I've just sent them a note that said, you know, I noticed you were tweeting this or I noticed that you did this thing or you won this award. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you for noticing. Thank you for being kind. Or, hey, you want to have some coffee? Wow, Sasha, I don't know. Women ever ask me for coffee. Now I could say, well, that's because of how you act. But I, I know that the reason they act that way is because they've had to, to get ahead. So what if we just, you know, extend the olive branch? What if we extend the hand up, right? It's just something that allows us to then grow in our own ability to lead the way we feel like leading as women in the workplace. So I hope that I've given you a little snippet today and I want to close with the last paragraph of chapter one. So this is what I end with. Empowering women in amplifying their voices didn't follow, fix all the gender bias I faced in my career, but it did provide an enormous amount of relief for me. It normalized my experiences and it allowed me to establish a community of women to lean on, to bolster and push forward other women who were above me and behind me. It also allowed me to throw away the manual and start living my life according to my own woman, UL. (laughs) You know, the manual that says once you're labeled a ball buster, your career will be lonely and isolated or that you can't negotiate for yourself one minute and show empathy to a colleague the next. The manual that says, if you show masculine traits, you are harsh and cold. And if you show feminine traits, you're weak and not ready for leadership. The manual that says women do not support other women and women disagreeing with other women are simply cat fights between emotional individuals battling over silly issues. The manual that says, if you're a woman, you've likely read the manual and you might be following it without even being aware. In my opinion, the manual needs to be thrown in the trash, flushed down the toilet, placed in the sharps container. Pitch it. Pick up the woman manual. As a friend replied to me once when I looked at her and said, do I need Botox? It's time. (laughs) Um, I just want to encourage you to download the book and buy the book. I promise you as the book goes along, it gets more personal. I share some really personal stories in there and it was very nerve wracking, but I know that it's going to connect and I'm hoping that it will just connect other women with each other and with one another in the workplace and in our communities. Thank you for listening in today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be reading a little bit of the book for the next um, several episodes. And now I'm going to do my product of the week, my Sasha's pick of the week. Okay. I'm sorry if for the guys that are listening, cause this is a lipstick. <laughs> big shock. Um, okay. I was getting my makeup done once and I was talking to the makeup artist and she had a makeup 
like caboodle, I call them, that was full of lipstick only. It was unbelievable. It was like something I'd never seen. And she probably had about three to 400 lipstick shades in this thing. And I said, Oh my gosh, I've never seen that many. It was like a suitcase and it just kept opening and opening and opening. And of course I was like drooling cause I love lipstick. And I said to her, what is the one lipstick for any skin tone, for any skin color, for any woman that is, you would recommend as an everyday lip color. And she said, honestly, this may shock you, but it's Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk. Now, I had never even heard of this lipstick. I was like, Pillow Talk by Charlotte Tilbury. Okay, I'm going to check it out. So I bought it, of course, because she told me to. And y'all, it is so good. It's like a really good, just kind of everyday basic color. And I've talked to so many women that are like, oh my gosh, I love this lipstick. It is so, it just is a little pop. It's not too pink. It's not too dark. It's just a little level up. And so if I'm going running around and I don't have time to even think about my makeup, I use this. I also use it if I'm going to be getting my picture taken, quite honestly, because it's really subtle. So I just, that is my, you know, product of the week. And I'm going to make sure that we have a link to it. It's also on my Sasha's Picks page on my website. Um, I hope that you all enjoyed this podcast today. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production. 